You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. Have you been getting questions from your patients about COVID and the state of the supply of vaccines? Have you been asked about who qualifies and in what order? Have you been asked about how to sign up for vaccines? And have you been asking that same question yourself? Have you had a patient just at the end of an appointment ask you the real reason why they came in today, which was when will they be getting their immunization and why aren't they getting it today? Yeah, me too. This is Primary Care in a Pandemic. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm a medical anthropologist working at the University of British Columbia's Department of Family Practice. And I'm Morgan, a family doctor working in the inner city, and I'm faculty in the Department of Family Practice. We're both part of the Primary Care Innovation Support Unit, or the ISU. Sarah, we've been lucky to connect with a a lot of very smart people across Canada in primary care lately. They're all working on different aspects of COVID-19 immunization supports for primary care. I mean, not on the distribution side, but on the supports for primary care around how to answer questions, how to engage patients, how to discuss things like vaccine hesitancy. Exactly. And it's been really exciting to see this good work happening. I know everyone has a lot of questions as the immunization plans are still being developed in in each province. And it kind of feels like every province has a slightly different approach. So it's really interesting to see sort of that that cross-Canada work that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been working on a part ourselves, too, at the ISU. We're trying to pull together a a toolkit to help uh, primary care clinics plan out their own immunization clinic within the office. I think that's going to be pretty uh, useful uh, when we get to the point where we're actually going to be able to vaccinate in our offices. And another part of that toolkit that I think is going to be so valuable is kind of pulling together all of the great resources, the background information, the the what do you need to tell your patient. So, and I'm, I'm really excited to see our toolkit mock-ups and prototypes as they've been developing. But Morgan, setting up a primary care office immunization clinics is not the challenge that we have today. Yeah, you're, you're right. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We're not going to be vaccinating in our office for a while, at least not in B.C., The challenge today is about supporting our patients and understanding where we are in the process and to help them get ready for their own immunization, whether we're giving the shot ourselves or uh, they're going to go to a large public health clinic. And just this week, I had the chance to take our toolkit mock-up out to a focus group that included members from the BC Primary Care Patient Voices Network to share what we've been developing and, and get some feedback. And one part of the discussion was all around today's questions and and needs. I thought we could use this episode to ask you, as a primary care provider, some of those questions, Morgan. Okay, I'll, I'll do my best to answer, Sarah. But before I do, just a disclaimer. We're recording this live. I, I don't have all the answers. Uh, the opinions expressed are totally my own. They're not those of Bonnie Henry or any other public health officer. We'll also try to include some links uh, in our show notes to some of the other answers as well. And some of those answers will also be in our toolkit. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, but enough promoting our toolkit. Okay, I'm in the hot seat. Let's go. All right. So the first set of questions I wanted to talk about was really questions about the vaccine itself. Um, And this was kind of a big focus of the beginning of of our discussion yesterday. How safe is the vaccine? I've had this a lot too. And it's always not just how safe, but how safe is it for me? Um, Given that I happen to be left-handed and um, my right foot is bigger than my left foot. And, you know, I have this condition. In general, for almost everybody, it is safe. Uh, We wouldn't be vaccinating if it wasn't. 
And I think that's important to tell people. Well, it feels like this has been rushed. The key parts of the science around the vaccines hasn't been. And I think the good example of this is that children aren't included yet in our plans because we haven't done the science. So where we have the science, it, it's pretty safe. And it is a lot safer, a lot safer than getting COVID itself. So I think that's the take-home message that I try to share with people. And we had a really great kind of conversation yesterday about allergies in the vaccine. Is there, is what, what does the evidence look like around kind of allergies in the vaccine? So there, there are some people having allergic reactions and it's typically to the, some of the compounds in the vaccine. And people will ask about that when you're getting a vaccine. Um, but it's a relatively small number. There are a, have been a few other reactions, and, and we're just sort of following those and monitoring them. And that's partly why we're keeping people at the immunization clinic for the full 15 minutes right afterwards, so that if anything happens right away, uh, like an allergic reaction, that people are there. Our colleague and friend, Alex Singer, who's got a a family connection to the world of, of immunology, you know, is, is very quick to say that, you know, even though there might be some reactions, it's a very safe place because everybody's primed to look for it. So if you did have an allergic reaction, everything's part and parcel with setting up the clinic. So you're you're just you've got the things you need right there and trained staff and clinicians that can help you. So it's it's actually very safe. Great. So I know there's a couple different kinds of vaccines. And, and in Canada right now, we have the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine that have both been approved. Does it matter which vaccine I get? And should I be you know, waiting to see if I get one or the other? Uh, should I wait for a vaccine that's coming down the line? Um, I know in the UK, there's this idea of, of the, the posh vaccine and then the other vaccines. <laughs> um, I'm just wondering, so... so we have what, we what have only posh vaccines. Um, <laughs> so the, the two that we have right now, the evidence shows that they are better at stopping severe illness than we had hoped they would be, um, and I think that's that's really important. So there, there's a slight nuance difference, perhaps, but it's still way better than we thought it was going to be. So so no, I don't think it matters. It does matter in the sense of where we can distribute the vaccines to, and some are going to be. Uh, we're going to be able to get them into smaller communities where um, the Pfizer in particular, given its cold storage requirements, uh, at least at the moment, although we're, you know, they're testing it all the time to see what they can do without damaging the vaccine. Uh, for right now, it really is for larger clinics. So I think that, it, you know, from a, from a, which ones am I going to respond best to? For most people, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're even doing studies now to see what happens if you get one of one and one of the other to see if there's any difference there too. But the, the numbers are so great that I, I wouldn't hesitate and try to wait for one or the other. Great. So we had a really interesting conversation yesterday about immunity. How long does it take to get immunity and how effective is it? As soon as I get an immunization, am I walking out of the uh, the office, you know, 70%, 90% immune? Or does it take, is it a couple weeks? Do I need to keep yeah. sort of wearing a mask? What does that look like? Good. It's a bunch of good questions in there. So no, don't leave the, the clinic and rip off your mask and feel that you're Superman or Superwoman. A couple things. One is you do get you get a, a very good response even in, after the first injection, but it takes a few weeks. So at sort of week three or so, uh, we're getting responses that probably would be pretty good, um, 
but they did two two injections, two doses, and we saw that it was even better. So you, you're getting a good response, and, and the fact that it's such a good response is partly why we're extending the second dose in some provinces. But Sarah, you mentioned another thing in there. When can I take off that mask? I think it's really important that these numbers, like 95% uh, effectiveness of the vaccine, is 95% reducing your risk of severe infection, not of never getting COVID-19. And so you can have barely symptomatic COVID after a vaccine, even after the two doses. And so I think masks are going to be around for quite a while because even if I'm vaccinated, I still might contract it and I can still spread it. I suspect, and we can tell our patients this too, I suspect that the risk of me spreading it is a little less if I've been vaccinated, but we don't know that yet. We're starting to look at that. We, have, we now have probably enough people vaccinated to see if that's actually the case, or at least we will in the next couple of months. But I suspect it will be, but it doesn't mean we, can't, we can take our masks off. We still have to do all the other public health stuff for a while. And we have already seen kind of this dramatic drop in, in mortality in, in long-term care facilities and where people are incredibly high risk are getting vaccinated first. So I think that's a really great kind of indicator of, of a positive direction, at least. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got one more question about kind of the, the efficacy and the time question. Mm-hmm. How long am I going to be immune after I like, how long is my immunity going to last? Am I going to need to get a booster? And I know this is a space where what we know is continually evolving. Yeah. And I think that's the problem, right? This is COVID-19. You know, we're just in 2021 and we've only had the vaccines in studies for a number of months in the summer and into the fall. So we don't know a two-year time horizon yet like we do with some of our older traditional vaccines. I suspect that it will be a combination of two things. And I think it's useful to describe it this way with patients. One is that you probably will have some immunity from this that carries forward over time, but you probably will also need a booster. Exactly when, you know, is it an annual booster? Is it every five years? We don't know that yet, but I suspect we will. I don't think we'll need a double dose. My gut feeling is we won't need that. And the other reason why we might need a booster is, is for the variants. And I don't know if you had any questions from the patients about variants and vaccines, but that's a big thing too, is which vaccine is better for which variant. Right now, we just got the two and they both look like they're pretty good for for most of the major variants, but we may need boosters because of that too. It's so interesting because, you know, what we know continues to change, particularly about the variants. And that did come up in our conversation as well. And, and it was really tied to that question of, you know, should I be waiting to see if I can get X or Y vaccine instead of whatever's being offered to me? Yeah, I I think it'll change. I think these are good questions from the patients. I think, uh, again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. How safe is it? It's safer than getting COVID. You know, if you say, well, I'll wait six months and see what comes out. I mean, the chances of, you know, in in BC, we're doing pretty well. But, I mean, we don't have a huge variant population in in COVID in our our province right now. And even if we, we were, this will protect you to perhaps, perhaps a slightly lesser degree. But I think the message to patients is get it now as soon as you can because it's safe and it will help with any of those. And if we need to boost you, then we'll do that too. And we had a bunch of additional questions kind of about process and timing. Um, in, in BC right now with what the rollout looks like, you know, how, how do I get on an immunization list? When can I get on a list? Yeah, um, you, I'm pausing because these are <laughs> these are hard questions that that I again I don't know yet. I don't. We we all don't know yet. 
I've heard from some of the webinars and the meetings that I've been at, right now what's happening, we're in phase one, which is facility-based. Phase two is going to be more, the health authorities are going to be proactively reaching out to people in the category of 80 and above, Indigenous people, 65 and above, and Indigenous elders, and other healthcare workers that haven't been immunized yet, like myself. I did get a reach out asking for my phone number. I'm still waiting for my call, so I haven't got my own uh, vaccine yet, but I'll, I'll get it as soon as I'm allowed to. After that, there is a plan to, at the moment, it looks like a combination of a digital and uh, a phone option, took a phone in to get registered. And that's in BC. In each province, it's going to be a little bit different. And I don't know every province, I'm afraid. Where can people go to get information? That was a big question yesterday. I'd love a place to go so that I know when I have that option of getting on a list. For patients, there's a lot of different options. I would jump first personally to the NBC, the BCCDC site as a patient. I would also check my own family doctor's website for links. Some of the more local information will often get put onto clinic sites. If, if you're a family doctor, you're a nurse practitioner, the, the clinic you go to, the community health center or, or which have you, if they have a site, there'll be a, a little section there. And it may link to a couple of other places as well. CDC is really our, our source of truth in BC. And then I don't, I don't know if we know yet, but when you register for one shot or you're registering for two, there was a lot of questions around, you know, when can I get my first shot, but when do I get my second shot? What does that look like? That's a big thing. It's important to tell patients it's a big thing that public health is really working on planning that to make sure that doses will be available. In fact, they held some first doses that were being scheduled. They held them back because of the, the shortage in supply so that people would get their second dose in a timely manner. I'm actually less worried about, does it have to be exactly at three or four weeks? Because our immune system is going to continue to sort of mature to the first dose. And getting that second booster later generally is actually better for other vaccines. Know that you'll get your second dose. It may not be exactly on the day you expect, but all the planning behind the scenes, you can tell your patients all the planning behind the scenes is to make sure that you're in the system to, to be able to get that second dose and they won't, they won't miss you. So we also had some really interesting questions about about family. If if I'm older, I'm in a household, I can get the vaccine, uh, but my my family can't. How do I protect my family? Can a household get get immunized right now? What does that look like? Yeah. So these these are good and thoughtful questions. How would I describe it to my patients? So by getting the the vaccine yourself, if you're in that higher risk age category you're protecting your family by reducing your own risk of being in a hospital. And that is, apart from the, the worry of spreading COVID to another family member, the worry that we all have for our elders is huge. And to know that your grandparent or your parent is safe, you know, I think it's important to tell our, our elder patients that that is hugely reassuring and, and helps our family members, our younger family members, to be resilient in the time that we are in right now where there's a lot of other stress because of maintaining the public health measures. So I just I just want to say that there's this value to having been vaccinated. I know my mother who's in that category, I'll feel so much better when I know she has a vaccine and I'm not quite so worried every night. So first off, there's that part. Second one is it's it's still the public health measures. We're not doing by family. We're not doing it by community, although those have been options that people have thought about. Uh, we're really doing it by by age group, and then later on by age and risk. So in phase three, 
So I would tell my patients that first part. And then to, to the second part, you know, we do have to continue our public health measures of masking, hand washing. We're not going to go out and do all the same social things that we did just because we've been vaccinated. We're still going to have to maintain that, especially as our families have yet to catch up with us as elders. It's different, too, if some of your family members are in a high-risk group that's not caught in the first two phases, and you might be in the third phase, an adult child in their 50s with an immune condition. They're going to get in early phase three, but those that time in between that might be a few months, you definitely want to make sure that you're isolating to protect your family and that they're doing all the same things. And it's even harder when we've got a, a child with an immune condition because we still haven't tested how well the vaccine works in kids, or we are currently testing. So I try to assure people again, we're, we're testing children in studies right now. We should know that by the time we get down to that age bracket. We also, you know, had a, a good discussion about the children questions. When do we know if kids are going to be able to get immunized? There's all of this stuff in the in the news in the last couple of weeks have been about, you know, variants increasing in schools. And, and what does that mean for public health measures? So the questions of kind of, what about my kids? What if I want to get my kids immunized? What about my grandkids? Yeah. So the good news is that the current vaccines are now being tested in different other populations, including kids, including youth and kids. That, I think, is reassuring. And, and I think, again, what would I tell my patients right now? I totally agree. I'm worried for my kids, too. I want to get a vaccine when I know it's safe for him. And the studies that are happening right now, because we already have done the main trials, these are additional trials to confirm safety. It's not like we're going completely from scratch. And we've got some very, very brave kids out there who I've seen clips of who are like, oh, heck yeah, I'm doing this because I, I want to make sure that all my friends can, can be immunized. I honestly suspect, Sarah, that it's going to be, we'll have the science catch up before we have the vaccine supply. Great. So just to wrap this up, I think what's important, and, and I've said this before, in primary care, we are in a unique position, right? We are that last mile for public health. And, and more, than, more than just being that, we're, like the, we're the trusted last mile. Our patients are coming to us now for support because there's so many unknowns. They're coping with so many different things. And one of those things that, that we're all latching onto as a ray is the immunization, is the vaccine. And I think it's really important for us to remember that as we answer the questions that people have, they're going to be the same over and over again in one sense. But in the other sense, we have to make them personal. And this is the time to reassure our patients and to build our relationship and connect with our patients. Build that trust up just a little bit more by understanding why they're asking the question, reflecting back. There's that, that question about the grandkids, or it's, it's maybe it's about your daughter or, or what have you that's specific. Use that moment to understand that a little bit deeper why they're asking. I think that's going to be both better for us as providers and so much better for our patients. Great. If this was helpful and you know a primary care provider or a member of your team who might find this discussion useful, please uh, feel free to share this and keep your eyes out for the Primary Care Immunization Preparedness Toolkit, which will be live soon. We're working on it right now. 